lives made new. We're going to be in Nehemiah 9, 1 through 3. How many of you guys have ever done a home repair project? Just raise your hand if you've ever done a home repair project. Now, in doing this, yes, as you're laughing, in doing this, how many of you guys ever, as you did your home repair project, got into more than you expected? One project turned into 20, Brother Harold. It, it can happen like that, can it? I remember when I was a kid, my parents had uh, they had bought some property next to, to their land, and there was an old house on it, and they're like, well, we're going to fix this house up and rent it out. It looked pretty good on the outside, but we got on the inside, and one project turned into 100. Pretty soon we had it gutted down to the walls, you know, the studs, and had to start over. My parents probably spent a fortune, probably probably never made their money back on it. But we can get into, we can get in over our heads, can't we, when it comes to home repairs and fixing things. Well, we're going to look at a story tonight in Nehemiah 9, 1 through 3, where Nehemiah got into more than he expected. Now, on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Then those of Israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God, one-fourth of the day. And for another fourth, they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And right now, Lord, we pray that you bless the reading of your word and the preaching of your word. Lord, I just pray tonight that it won't be me that's heard, but it will be you. Speak through me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and speak into our hearts. Move upon our lives, Lord. Help us to be obedient to you tonight to serve you wholeheartedly, Lord. And if there's something in our lives that needs rebuilding, something that's broken, Lord, we know that you can fix it and you can rebuild it if we simply turn to you. We love you, Lord, and ask us in Jesus' name. Amen. Nehemiah got a burden to go and rebuild the wall of Jerusalem after the city was uh, ransacked and the Israelites were taken captive by the Babylonians. Some 70 years later, they were allowed to return to their homeland. But when they got there, it was a mess. The whole city had been destroyed. So Ezra came and he helped rebuild the temple. And then Nehemiah, he was serving under the king. And he got this burden that, that just would not go away. That was from the Lord. And so finally he was granted permission to go back to his homeland because he heard that the walls were torn down. And the city was in distress because the enemies were coming and attacking and provoking his people. But when he got there and came to help, he found that more than walls were broken down. He found broken lives. You see, the Israelites had fallen into sin. And these people were lost, and they needed help. So after rebuilding the walls in a record 52 days while facing opposition from the enemy and danger constantly, Nehemiah and Ezra began a religious reform to rebuild the broken lives in a spiritual sense. Now, it's interesting to note when the enemy saw that the walls had been built in 52 days, the Bible says they were disheartened in their own eyes. It means they were discouraged. For they perceived this work was done by God. It was a powerful testimony of God's power because when they saw the mess of this city, nobody thought the walls could ever be rebuilt. In fact, that's what the enemy taunted the Jews about. You'll never rebuild this rubble. But in 52 days, the task was completed. It was definitely from God. Well, tonight we're going to look at how to rebuild broken lives. I've got four points tonight. First of all, we need to listen to the law. 
We need to listen to God's word. Listen to Nehemiah 8, 1 through 3. I don't have these words behind me on the screen, but just listen to them. This is just a chapter earlier. Ezra is reading the law. It said, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So after the walls were completed, the word of God was brought out and Ezra read it. And then what's interesting to note is following that is that the people gathered for the Feast of the Tabernacles, which had not been observed since the days of Joshua. And during the Feast of the Tabernacles, the people made palm shelters and they would stay in there. And it reminded them of the, the exodus as God had delivered the Israelites from the bondage and the slavery of the Egyptians. And during that time, you know what they did? While they were in those, in those little huts, they read the word of God and they listened to the word of God. So Ezra reads the book of Moses and then they begin the Feast of the Tabernacle. And so for seven more days, they read God's word. And then on the eighth day, which I read to you in chapter 9, the people regather again and they read the word again. So they are saturating themselves with the word of God because they had not heard it for 70 years. Now, any of you husbands out there ever guilty of not listening to your wife? It happens sometimes, doesn't it? No. Well, y'all know my favorite uh, TV show is what? You know it? The, Joy knows it. The teenagers know it. See, y'all just, just don't know me that well. My favorite TV show is Duck Dynasty, okay? I, they're crazy, I know. Don't judge me for it. But, you know, what I like behind the scenes is that, that they love the Lord. And, and it's not that they're perfect or anything like that, but there's this one episode, and Phil and Miss Kay, they're out on the boat. And Miss Kay, she's just talking. She goes, Phil, do you remember that time? And he goes, uh-huh. And do you remember when we went, yep, do you, yep, got it, you know, and he wasn't listening to her at all, you know, and finally she's like, you're not even listening to me. Well, sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Now, of course, I never do that to Joy intentionally, but sometimes, and you know, this is, this is unintentional, okay, disclaimer, disclaimer, but sometimes she'll say, hey, did you do what I asked you to do? And Dewey, I'm like, you never told me that. I say, dude, you never told me that. She goes, yes, I did. I sat there and told you, you said you'd do it. I don't know. I try to listen. I got to do better. Now, I know the rest of y'all, you never do that, do you guys? Okay, I'm Aaron. I'm just showing my weakness up here, and y'all are, are just leaving me all alone. I know what you're doing. The people gathered. The Bible says the people gathered as one in the open square. They were one body assembled for the purpose of getting right with God. They had drifted for God, and Ezra brought the law of Moses out, and he read the word, the Bible says in, in Nehemiah 8, from morning until noon. Can you imagine? Brother Charlie, just listen to the word. From morning until noon. And the Bible said they were attentive. See, some of y'all, you've already tuned me out. I've been speaking for five minutes. They listened from morning to noon. They were tuned in to what God had to say. And, and so for... Then we see in Nehemiah 9, again, the word's read. And the Bible said, for three hours, the law was read. 
For three hours, the Pentateuch was read. And then, after three more hours, something else happened. But I'm not going to tell you yet. Okay? You got to wait. You got to listen. All right? Are y'all listening? Okay, stay tuned in. But they were focused on the Word of God. When we assemble as a body of believers, we need to have a unified purpose. We come into these doors to worship God. That is our number one purpose, right? Now, there's many functions of the church and extended ministries that are amazing. And as we reach out to the world, but when we're here, we're here to, we're here to exalt God. We're here to glorify our Father. Because there's no one else like Him. There's no one like Him. So when we come here, we've got to make sure that we're ready and that we know our purpose. And you all know, love it said that the people were unified. They were one. Guys, we have to make every effort to be unified. Did you know that sometimes we're going to see things differently? Sometimes we're going to get on each other's nerves. Did you know that? Why? Because we're family, right? And, and that happens, but guess what? We forgive, we love, right? We set aside the differences and we overlook because we're all God's children. We're his body of believers. And we work together for a purpose. So the word of God was read. What is so powerful about the word of God? Well, the Bible says it's the living word of God. And we're to treat it with reverence and respect. Guys, this is, this is God's love letter. This is the way that we know the heart of God. This, is the, this shows us the way of salvation. This is good news. Be excited about it. Love the word of God. Listen to Hebrews 4.12. I'm going to read this in the NLT. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper, listen to this, than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. And listen to this, point, to this part. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Guys, that's powerful. That is powerful because the Holy Spirit speaks through this word. When we read this word and we, we ask God to give us understanding, the Holy Spirit will, he will give us understanding. He will reveal things to us. It's a living word. So guess what? We've got to give complete focus to God's word on a daily basis. It is crucial for our lives. And when we're at church and the preacher's preaching or the teacher is teaching, guess what? Like the Jews here, we got to be intent. we got to listen. And you may say, well, that guy, he's just a lunatic up there. I know y'all were thinking that about me. But guess what? God's word is being preached. And it is his word. It is his word. So we need to be tuned in and say, God, what are you going to speak to me about today? What do you want me to do? What are you going to share with me? So get into God's word and then walk in its ways. Obey the word of God. Apply it to your life. Live it. God's word, you know what it does? It speaks truth to, into our lives. And it gives us wisdom for life. I don't know about y'all, but I want wisdom. Who needs wisdom? Who wants some wisdom? We need wisdom. Every day we have to make decisions, and they're difficult sometimes, aren't they? Guys, we got to walk with God. we got to know what he wants from us. We've got to have wisdom in our life so we can make a good choice. God's word, it reveals the heart of him. And listen, if you want to know God fully, you want to experience him and his power in your life, then you've got to be tuned into his word. Otherwise, you're going to be spiritually weak. You're going to be starving because you're not 
getting enough. If you come to church every time the doors are open and hear the word, that is not enough. You Now, don't misunderstand me. When the doors are open, be here. Right? Be a part of it because that's a biblical. But guys, outside of the church time, outside of our worship services, you've got to get in the Word. You've got to carve some time out of your schedule. We're all busy, aren't we? But when we make time for God's Word, He will fill us up. It's amazing. The Israelites, if they could stand on their feet for three hours and listen to God's Word being preached, can you imagine that? The Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, could you stand for three hours and listen to that? Being read, that's amazing, isn't it? How could they do that? Well, guess what? If they can do that, then we can, we can give God some time every day. Can't we? Every day we can get in His Word. We can focus on Him. And when we come to church and the preacher's preaching or your Bible study teacher is giving a lesson, we can, we can dial in and we can say, God, what are you speaking to me about? What do you want me to get from this? So write it down. There's power when we write things down, isn't there? There is. At least it works better for me. I know when I'm writing things down, man, God just speaks to me. You know, if, I, if I'm just reading my daily devotion and I just cruise through it and I don't write it down, and I'm sure y'all aren't like me, but, man, it just kind of it, it goes in. You know, I, I see it, I think about it for a minute, and then I move on. But if I write it down and I'm like, God, this, you know, speak to me. Give me something from your word today. And I get, I get a, you know, a, a nugget of truth. Or he, he just gives me a passage of scripture that, that really speaks to my heart. And I write it down. You know what happens? I think about it more through the day. And, and, and I, I meditate on it. We need to do that. so important. So if we're going to rebuild our lives like the Jews, number one, we've got to be in the word. But number two, we've got to confess our sins. We've got to confess our sins. You know, we don't like to talk about our sins, do we? You know, that makes us uncomfortable. We don't like to think about that. Listen, we've all sinned. And we can't fool ourselves to think that, you know, we don't have the potential to sin again. So we've got to make sure that every day we're, we're checking our heart. And we're letting God open us up. And if there's something that's wrong, listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, I found out something Joy and I have after, you know, having a house full of boys. They're destructive. How many of y'all knew that? How many of y'all knew that boys are destructive? Mr. Tabor, did you know that? That boys are messy. They tear stuff up. All right? They do. Uh, boys, boys are just messy. Uh, maybe girls are too. I don't know. But I realized something. You know, Joy and I, we decided anything we get nice in our home, we should just go throw it in the dirt, scratch it up, okay? <laughs> and then we don't have to worry about it, you know? We don't have to worry about it getting messed up because that's what's going to happen. But then I got to thinking about it. I realized, well... You know where they get it from. It's not joy. All right? And I, I thought about this story. When I was a little boy, I remember this, this one time. I, I got a bar of soap, and I was probably, you know, five years old. And I just thought it would be so cool just to, to mush this bar of soap up. So I sat there in the sink and just mushed it up, made this huge, nasty mess in the sink. thought it was wonderful. Great idea. And then I started feeling bad about it. I don't know why, but I did. Maxine, I was feeling bad about it, so I went and told my mom. I said, Mom, i got to tell you something. I made a mess in the bathroom. And she's like, well, that was dumb. You know, why'd you do it? I don't know. I really don't know. To this day, I don't know. But why do we do? Sometimes we just do things that they don't make a lot of sense. 
Uh, they don't make sense. That's a silly example. But on a serious note, we've all seen them fall short of the glory of God. Let's see what happened when the people of Israel heard the word of the Lord. The Bible says they wept. They were broken. You see, they learned a lot of lessons the hard way, hadn't they? They had worshipped false gods. They were exiled into captivity for 70 years. They had intermarried with non-believing people and cultures who had pagan practices. They had not been reading the word. They had not been obeying the word. They were lost. And after hearing the word of God, the Bible says they were cut to the heart. And you see, they had been saturated with the word for several days now. And they knew that they had strayed from their master. They had strayed from their father. And so what did the people do? The Bible says they fasted and they put ashes on their head and they wore sackcloth. This was a sign of mourning. It was a sign of brokenness. They were truly sorry for the way that they had been living their lives. They came face to face with their sin and it broke them and it disgusted them. And the Bible says the, the, the Jews separated themselves from the foreigners who, had, who were practicing pagan beliefs. And then the Bible said they did something interesting. They stood up and confessed their sins. Now, we're not asking you to do that tonight. Don't get nervous, okay? That's between you and God. But here it says that the God's people repented. This was a genuine repentance. They were holding nothing back because the word had penetrated their heart. The word had opened up their soul and exposed their sinfulness and their shortcomings. So they repented and publicly humbled themselves before God and before other people. And you know what? They didn't care what each other thought. They didn't care what their neighbor was doing. They were concerned with, Lord, what are my sins? Lord, how have I failed you? Not, not how so-and-so is messed up. They weren't saying, well, Lord, at least you know, I didn't do like them over here. No, they weren't doing that, were they? They were like, God, it's between you and me, and I am a sinner. I have messed up, and I need forgiveness. So for three hours, they had listened to the word, stood on their feet. Then the Bible says for three more hours, they confessed their sins, and they worshiped. You know what was happening here? Revival. Revival. People getting right with God. People getting back to the Lord. People getting on fire for the Lord. They wanted to be close to Him again. You know what the Word of God does? It exposes, as we read in Hebrews 4.12, the innermost desires and thoughts of the heart. We can fool everybody else, but we won't fool God, will we? God knows your heart, and He knows your thoughts, Right? And when we read the word, it exposes that. Maybe that's why sometimes people don't like to read the Bible. Because it's going to speak truth and it's going to convict. And the word reveals God's holiness, doesn't it? And the word shows us that we need a savior. When, and we come to the realization that we're lost and undone. Listen to Isaiah when he glimpsed the glory of God in Isaiah 6.5. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When Isaiah saw God's glory, he was cut to the heart. Because he knew that he fell way short. And guys, we, we have an amazing Savior. And he's sinless. And there's no one like him. 
And when we really begin to think on it, it's amazing what he's done for us, isn't it? His grace is amazing that he would forgive us. And I'm so grateful that he does. But listen, it is crucial for us to examine our lives every day for sin. Every day for sin. Why? Because sin, when it, when it sneaks in, and you know how it does. Sin, it's subtle, isn't it? It's sneaky. And sometimes we don't even realize we've let sin into our life. But when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you better listen. You better not think, oh, I can get by with this. It's not going to hurt me. I can do this. Nobody's going to know. You know, it's okay. Uh, don't be deceived. Guys, if, we, if we're not drastic when it comes to temptation, then we will fall. And this is how the devil works. You know this. He's been doing this from the beginning with Adam and Eve. But if you give the devil just a toehold in your life, if you open the door just a little bit to sin in your life, what happens? We start thinking about it, right? And if we, if we let it sit right here and we think about that temptation, and the more we think about it, guess what happens? Eventually, it, it bears fruit in our heart, okay? And we want that temptation, and then we act upon it. So guys, how are we going to stay away from it? We, we, we can't even give it that much thought. When a sinful thought comes into your mind, or you see something you shouldn't, or think something you shouldn't, or hear something you shouldn't hear, what do you need to do? Immediately, you got to turn from it. you got to get it out of your mind. Get it out of your eyes. Run if you have to. Right? Get away from it. Because it's like a deadly snake. And we have to see the big picture. When temptation is knocking at our door, we got to see the big picture. Sin's not going to save you. Satan doesn't care about you. He, he wants to drag you to hell. You have a Savior who loves you and he died for you. And there's no temptation we can't overcome. And if you have Jesus in your life, if you've asked him to be your Savior and forgive you of your sins, that means God's Holy Spirit lives in you and his power is available in your life. All you have to do is tap into it. But how do we tap into his power? Well, we got to be in the Word. we got to be praying. we got to be faithful to his house. But if we're not doing those things, guess what? We become weak and we become vulnerable. So run. Run from the temptation. And listen, don't worry about what others will think or say. Just go. If you're somewhere you shouldn't be or you come across something you shouldn't, you get out of there. But don't act like, don't act like that you can't fall to sin because we all can. We're all vulnerable. Now, we're forgiven. We have the power of God in our lives. But if, if we're not tapping into the power of God and we're places we shouldn't be or looking at things we shouldn't, guys, we, we put ourselves in a bad situation. So every day, every day, you get right with God and say, Lord, if there's anything wrong in my life, if there's any sin, unconfessed sin, point it out to me with your Holy Spirit. And you know what? He will. He will. So keep your life pure and clean. So, how do we rebuild broken lives? Well, number one, we stay in the Word. Number two, we confess our sin. We just get honest with God. Don't hide it. And then number three, guess what? We worship God. We worship God. Now, uh, many of y'all have heard me talk about uh, my boys playing sports. And Isaac has always had one baseball coach since he was two. Yes, he started playing for the Kavanaugh Cubs, Miss Angie, when he was two years old. And Brent, Tara's husband Brent, was... Isaac and Braxton's coach. So he's always coached them. He's always been their coach. And he's got this saying. He's got a lot of great sayings, but I always I keep them up here. And in case I ever get the coach, I might use them. But 
he tells the boys, if they're warming up before a game, he's like, guys, you're going to play how you practice. You're going to play the game how you warm up. So if you want to play good, you better warm up good. You better practice with 100% effort. That's a good saying. There's a lot of truth in it. Listen to Nehemiah 9, 5 through 6. Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. Guess what? After the people read the word and listened to the word attentively, and they confessed their sins and they repented, then they worshiped God. And the priest began to talk about the glory of God. And so for three hours, they began just to confess and to worship. And you know what happened? These people became great worshipers of God. It was an amazing experience as they came together as one body and they lifted God's name up and they realized who he was and what he had done for them. How could they get to this point? How could for six hours they just cry out to the Lord like this, to listen to the word and then to confess sin and then to just praise him for six solid hours? How did they do it? How did they get to this point? They were prepared for worship. Remember what I told you earlier, after the wall was completed, they read the word. Then they celebrated the Feast of the Tabernacle. And what did they do? They heard the word again. And then they came back together and the word was read again. They were ready. The word of God had filled them up. They had focused for several days. They had purified their lives. They got right with God. They, got, they confessed their sin. You know what? When we clean up our lives, guess what? There's room for the Holy Spirit to dwell and move freely. And that's a great thing, right? And to empower us. So the Levites, they led the people through this journey in the scripture that I just read you that goes on for several verses. But they, read, they led the people in a, a journey of God's people. And they remembered that God is glorious and exalted above all. They remembered that God had created everything. He alone is Lord. They remembered the covenant that God made with Abram and his descendants to give them the promised land. They remembered the miracles that he performed when he delivered God's people out of Egypt and when he parted the Red Sea. He gave Moses the law, and they remembered that. He led them by a cloud during the day and a fire by night. They remembered that. He provided manna and water in the wilderness for 40 years, and the Bible says their clothes or shoes didn't even wear out. The people remembered what God had done for their ancestors. And he gave them the promised land, but what happened? They rebelled. And they didn't stay faithful to God. And they disobeyed, right? And they would get into this cycle of disobedience and then oppression from the enemy. And then they would cry out in repentance and God would deliver them. And as soon as they got comfortable, what would happen? They'd slip back into sin. And it would start over. It was a cycle. Then they wanted a king over them. And God had told them not to ask for a king. He would be their king. But they disobeyed and they asked for a king. So they continued this, this cycle until finally God said enough. And for 70 years, they had been removed from their home. They remembered those things. And at this point, they recognized their sin. They knew they didn't measure up to God's holiness. And they declared themselves servants of God. They said, God, we are yours. We are yours. We don't want to go through this again. You know what happens when we meditate on God's word and when we get our lives right and we, and we confess our sin 
You know what happens? We saturate our lives with the truth. When we purify our eyes and our thoughts and our mouth and our heart and our mind, then we make things, we make room for the things of God. When we get all the junk of the world out, guess what? God can have free reign. He can come into your life and move and speak to you and empower you like never before. And you know what happens then? When we're filled up with God's word, guess what happens? He's going to overflow. When we, when we go out of the church doors, you know what's going to happen? Jesus is just going to ooze out of you. All right? Jesus is just going to spill out from you onto everybody that you get around. That's what God wants us to do. We're supposed to be an overflow. You know what our ministry is to other people? It's just an overflow of the abundance of God's presence in your life. Because we're not going to have that unless we intentionally focus just like the, the Israelites did, right? It takes effort. It takes sacrifice. It takes getting up early. It takes saying no to some things so that you can connect with God every day. But it's worth it. So let your cup be filled up with Jesus. And then just let him overflow into everybody that you meet. And when we come into God's house, guess what? If we're prayed up, if we're prepared, if we've practiced all week for Sunday and for Wednesday, guess what happens when we come through these doors? We're ready to worship. We're thinking about who God is. We're not thinking about the problems of the world when we come in here. Yeah, there's problems and we have them, don't we? There's some of them that are serious. But guess what? When we come in here, we know it's all going to be okay because God's in control. You know, I always like to say it like this. God's got this. Okay, God's got it. Whatever you're going through, he's got you. Do you believe that? Do you believe the creator of the universe can take care of you? Yes. Amen. He does, and he will, and he'll continue to through all of eternity. You see, when the troubles are through here, it's just getting started. The best part's yet to come, and we'll be with our Father forever. So be ready to worship. So how could the Israelites do this? How could they focus like this? Because they were saturated with the Word of God and the truth of God. Prepare every time you come in these doors. Every single time when you come to God's house for worship, be ready. Practice all week, because then what's going to happen? When it's your time to worship, when it's your time to focus, when it's your time to lift up your voice to the Lord, you'll be ready. You'll be ready. Declare how amazing God is. Remember what he's done in your life. Praise him for his provision. Never forget that we need him. Stay close to him. Declare yourself his servant like the Jews did. Know who you belong to. We're his children. So, if we want to rebuild a broken life, number one, get the word in your life. Number two, confess your sins. The result of that, number three, is that we're going to worship God, and that's going to overflow into everybody that we meet. And then number four, make a covenant. Make a covenant. Something very interesting. The children of Israel, on down in a few chapters, said they wrote down all these things. They made a covenant. The leaders did and all the people, and they sealed it. Now, a covenant is a contract. It is a bond. It binds two people together. When, when you got married, if you're married, you made a covenant with your spouse. It's a, it's a lifetime bond, contract. So, so the Jews make this covenant, and it is between them and God, and they promise 
to walk in the law and to obey God's commands. They promised not to intermarry into pagan cultures. They promised to give their tithe. And they promised to not neglect the house of God. Guys, they got things right. They got their priorities in line. And I'm telling you, when we write something down, there's power in that, isn't there? You know, I've heard Brother Will say that, you know, successful people, they write their goals down. They write it down, and they write down a, a plan to accomplish it. When we write something down, it forces us to organize our thoughts. And there's accountability. When we make a covenant, and we write it down, and we sign it, guess what? We've got other people holding us accountable to follow through. So, I challenge you, make a covenant to God. You make a contract with God, say, you know what, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make time for you every day. I'm going to focus on you every day. And when the doors are open on Wednesday and Sunday, I'm going to be prepared when I come in there. And I'm going to be ready to lift you up. Make that covenant with God. And you know what? Write it down. Sign it. Keep it in your Bible. Keep it before you so you can remember it. There's power in that. God burdened Nehemiah to rebuild the walls. But when he got there, he found out the people's lives were broken. They were living in sin and shambles. But through the power of the word, we see broken lives rebuilt. God has not changed. He can do the same for us, and he can do the same for those that we come in contact with. So tonight, if that's you, and maybe there's just some things in your life that you're struggling with, just give it to the Lord. You focus on him. You worship him. Make that covenant with him that you're going to trust him and you'll rely on him. And guess what? You write it down. Say, Lord, I'm trusting you through this problem. And then, Sister Susan, you pray. You get on your hands and knees and you pray through it. And you'll experience the power of God in your life. Tonight we're going to have an altar of prayer. So we're just going to ask the church body to come up. So if you would, everybody that can tonight, let's just come and gather around. Uh, we're going to pray tonight. And as we pray, I want you just to pray about making that covenant with God. And I mean, I'm, I'm talking about going home and writing this down, saying, Lord, I'm, I'm getting serious with you. Lord, I'm getting serious with you. And you make that and you write it down. I'm going to ask everybody that will, just our church body, let's just come as, as we do every Wednesday night. And let's just gather at the altar tonight. Let's pray for our church. Guys, we have many, many people who are sick, going through tests going through health problems I'm sure I didn't even name them all Sister Frida coming up here right now and pray for her guys listen we, we're a body of believers and we come together to pray together so everybody that would let's gather around the altar tonight we're going to pray and then I'm going to ask Brother Charlie Wagner after everybody prays for a, a few minutes and Brother Charlie if you would just lead us in a prayer tonight and, di and dismiss us